Hello, James Kenny here, and welcome to my podcast, Land of the Golden Sunset, the evolution of the Irish from biblical times. This is episode number 26, entitled The Fenian Brotherhood in America, 1858, and the Canadian Incursions of 1866, 1870, and 1871. I hope you like this, and that you will share it with others on social media. You can become a patron of this podcast by visiting www.landofthegoldensunset.podbean.com. As Irish immigration to the United States of America began to increase in the 18th century, many Irish organizations were formed. One of the earliest was formed in Boston, Massachusetts, in 1737, under the name of the Irish Charitable Society. These new organizations went by varying names, most notably the ancient and most benevolent order of the Friendly Brothers of St. Patrick, founded in New York in 1767. The Society of the Friendly Sons of St. Patrick for the Relief of Emigrants in Philadelphia in 1771, and the Friendly Sons of St. Patrick, also formed in New York in 1784. In the latter part of the 1780s, a strong Irish patriot character began to grow in these organisations, encouraged by recently arrived Irish immigrants. The usage of the Celtic symbolism helped solidify this sense of nationalism and was most noticeably found in the use of the name Hibernian, Hibernia being the Latin name for Ireland. In 1858, the Irish Republican Brotherhood, IRB, had been founded in Dublin by James Stevens. The initial decision to create this organisation came about after Stevens consulted, through a special emissary, Joseph Denieff, with John O'Mahony and Michael Dahney, and they were members of the forerunner group called the Emmet Monument Association. Michael Dahony, 1805-1862, was born near Feathered in County Tipperary. He took part in the Young Ireland Rebellion in 1848, eluded arrest, and after being hunted by the police for some time, escaped to New York. He settled in the United States and became a lawyer and a soldier with the Fenian Brotherhood. He was also instrumental in the founding of the Irish-American 69th Infantry Regiment, nicknamed the Fighting Irish, in which he was a company commander. Though it was never involved in liberating Ireland, as Dahany hoped, the regiment would have an illustrious history in the American Civil War and both World Wars. Michael Dahany married Mary Jane O'Dwyer, and they had four children, Morgan, Michael, Edmund, and Jane. He was admitted to Gray's Inn in November 1834. He died very suddenly on the 1st of April 1862 and was buried in Calvary Cemetery, New York. Joseph Denieff, 1833-1910, from Kilkenny, arrived in the United States in 1851 and settled in New York City, 
where he found employment in the tailoring business. In the summer of 1855, he joined the Emmett Monument Association, a military-styled organisation ostensibly organised to erect a monument to Robert Emmett. The real purpose of the EMA was to organise and train young Irishmen for a rebellion in Ireland when the opportunity presented itself. Shortly after joining the EMA, Joseph Denieff returned to Ireland to visit his father, who was gravely ill. Before leaving the United States, he met with Dahani O'Mahony and James Roach, who directed him to organise and recruit foot soldiers as best he could for a rising in September. After arriving there, he met with John Haltigan, who introduced him to another nationalist in Kilkenny town. Halligan also arranged meetings for Denny F. with other nationalists in Dublin. In the meantime, James Stevens, who had fled to France to avoid capture after the failed Young Ireland Rising in 1848, had returned to Ireland, where he undertook a prolonged trek through Ireland, meeting with fellow revolutionaries who were active in the Young Ireland movement. In the fall of 1857, a messenger arrived from John O'Mahony in New York asking Stevens to set up a sister organisation in Ireland to the Fenian Brotherhood, founded by O'Mahony and Dahony in the US. In late December 1857, Denieff returned to the United States with a letter from James Stevens stating that such an organisation would be set up if bankrolled by the Fenian Brotherhood in the United States. Denieff returned to Ireland in March of 1858 with sufficient funds to seed the organisation. On St. Patrick's Day, 1858, the Irish Revolutionary Brotherhood was founded in Dublin by Stevens, Luby, Denieff, Langan, Charles Kickham and Garrett O'Shocknessy. For the next year, Joseph Denieff spent much of his time recruiting and organising for the IRB. In March of 1859, he was summoned to Paris by James Stevens, with other leaders, to study military affairs. After a four-month stay in Paris, he returned to Dublin. After his return to Dublin in the fall of 1859, Joseph Denieff set up a tailoring business that afforded him a good living. Around the same time, he met his future wife, Mary Ann Doyle. For the following eight years, until his final hurried departure for the United States in 1867, he was a leading figure in recruiting and organising for the IRB. A modest and unassuming individual, he managed to remain above suspicion by avoiding the limelight and by the makeup of the clients he served, which he himself described as some of Her Majesty's most devoted servants. His premises in South Ann Street, Dublin, was a safe meeting place for the leadership of the IRB. Following the seizure of the Irish People newspaper by the British authorities in September of 1865, a series of arrests of IRB leaders, including Denieff, took place on charges of high treason. After a few months in jail, Denieff was released on bail, awaiting trial. Due to the sheer number of Fenians awaiting trial, he remained free on bond for up to two years. 
During that period, Danieff was very much involved in the day-to-day affairs of the IRB and participated in the planning for the Rising, scheduled for the early months of 1867. He was also one of the trusted leaders made aware of Stephen's planned extraction from the Richmond Bridewell Prison in Dublin in 1865, as well as the rescue of Colonel Kelly and DC from a prison van in Manchester in September of 1867. When a special commission was set up to try the IRB leaders, for men such as Denieff, whose name had surfaced on numerous occasions during the trials of other Fenians, it was decision time. Denieff chose to leave the country rather than face a predictable guilty verdict and a long prison sentence. His wife and child, whom he left behind, joined him later in the United States. For the rest of his life he lived in the U.S., he established a successful tailoring business in Chicago. He diligently worked for the rest of his life with John Devoy and others within the Clan na Gael to advance the cause of Irish freedom. In the early 1900s, he wrote a series of articles for the New York newspaper, The Gael, relating to his involvement with the IRB. The articles were later published as a book entitled A Personal Narrative of the Irish Revolutionary Brotherhood, giving a faithful report of the principal events from 1885 to 1867. Joseph Denieff died in Chicago on the 20th of April 1910. For all the years he worked for Irish freedom, he did so, for the most part, behind the scene, never seeking the limelight or claiming credit for his service. In response to the establishment of the IRB in Dublin, a sister organisation was founded in New York City, the Fenian Brotherhood, led by John O'Mahony, 1815-1877, born near Mitchellstown, County Cork. This arm of Fenian activity in America produced a surge of radicalism among groups of Irish immigrants, many of whom had recently emigrated from Ireland during and after the Great Famine. In October 1865, the Fenian Philadelphia Congress met and appointed the Irish Republican government in the USA. But in 1865, in Ireland, the IRB newspaper, the Irish people, had been raided by the police and the IRB leadership was imprisoned. Another abortive uprising occurred in 1867, but the British remained in control. After the 1865 crackdown in Ireland, the American organisation began to fracture over what to do next. Made up of veterans of the American Civil War, a Fenian army had been formed. While John O'Mahony and his supporters wanted to remain focused on supporting rebellions in Ireland, a competing faction called the William Roberts or Senate Wing wanted this Fenian army to attack British bases in Canada. The resulting Fenian raids strained US-British relations. The level of American support for the Fenian cause began to diminish as the Fenians were seen as a threat to stability in the region. John O'Mahony remained nominal president of the Fenian Brotherhood until serious illness forced his resignation on the 28th of January 1877. By chance, his friends, Thomas Clark Luby 
and Dr. Dennis Dowling Mulcahy found him dying in a New York tenement and cared for him in his last days. O'Mahony died on the 6th of February, 1877, in New York, having never married. Launched before dawn on the 1st of June, 1866, the invasion of Canada went unopposed. Hundreds of men-at-arms waded ashore by moonlight, cheering as they planted their flag. The invaders marched inland and, without a shot being fired, overran a town. To frustrate defenders, they burned a rail bridge and cut nearly every telegraph line. Waiting for reinforcements, the soldiers patrolled their newly seized domain. The flag was green. The enemy was Britain. The captive territory was a stretch of Canada across the Niagara River from Buffalo, New York. And the invasion force were Irish-American. The Irish Republican Army's aim was to capture some or all of Canada and take hostage Britain's largest North American holding, the ransom, freedom for Ireland. To succeed, this ingenious but delusionary plan required the tacit complicity of the United States government. Complicity the Irish-Americans believed they had obtained, but they could not have been more wrong. Following a skirmish, a few Fenians were killed and the rest were captured. Ever conscious of Irish-American political power, President Andrew Johnson ordered the Fenians released. His acquaintance, John O'Neill, emerged from the courthouse to great clapping of hands and loud hurrahs as he urged his men to retire to your homes peacefully and in an orderly manner. Journeys abetted by government-purchased rail tickets. On June the 6th, 1866, President Andrew Johnson issued an executive order to deter illicit border crossings. He warned all good citizens of the United States against taking part in or in any wise aiding, countenancing or abetting incursions directing federal officials to employ all their lawful authority and power to prevent and defeat the aforesaid unlawful proceedings. President Johnson later told O'Neill that he had delayed acting to give the Fenians a chance of victory. You must remember that I give you five full days before issuing any proclamation stopping you, Johnson said. What in God's name more did you want? If you could not get there in five days, by God, you could never get there. Britain paid the United States $15.5 million to settle the Alabama claims and on the 1st of July, 1867, Parliament authorised the colonies of New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Ontario and Quebec to form the self-governing Dominion of Canada. July 1st is celebrated now as Canada Day. John Charles O'Neill, 1834-1878, was an Irish-born officer in the American Civil War and member of the Fenian Brotherhood. O'Neill is best known for his activities leading the Fenian raids on Canada in 1866 and 1871. John O'Neill was born in Drumgallon, Clontibret, County Monaghan. He emigrated to New Jersey in 1848 at the height of the Great Famine. In 1857, he enlisted in the 2nd United States Dragoons and served in the Utah War, May 1857 to July 1858. 
apparently deserting afterwards to California, where he joined the 1st Cavalry and served as a sergeant in the American Civil War with this regiment until December 1862, at which time he was commissioned as an officer in the 5th Indiana Cavalry. He was credited as being a daring fighting officer, but believed he had not received due promotion, which led to a transfer to the 17th United States Coloured Infantry as captain. He left the Union Army prior to the end of the conflict, Marion Mary Crow, with whom he had several children. While in Tennessee, John O'Neill joined the Irish-American movement, the Fenian Brotherhood, which eschewed politics in favour of militant action to expel the British presence in Ireland. He attached himself to the group led by William Randall Roberts, who wished to attack Canada. O'Neill was working for a firm of land speculators in Holt County, Nebraska, in January 1878, when he died of a paralytic stroke. The county seat of Holt County, O'Neill, being named after him. The Irish were still seen as a foreign people within the borders of the American state by anti-Catholic Americans, such as members of the Know Nothing Party. Their existence within America was seen primarily as temporary camps of immigrants who planned to stay in America only as long as the British stayed in Ireland. Upon the British withdrawal from Irish soil, it was believed the Irish emigrants would return to their native land. The Fenian raids were seen as an astonishing example of immigrant activity in US history, and Irish nationalism has itself become something of an exception among the American melting pot. Very few US immigrants concerned themselves with their mother country, as did the Irish. In March 1868, 100,000 Fenian supporters held an anti-British demonstration in New York. After 1867, the Irish Republican Brotherhood headquarters in Manchester chose to support neither of the existing feuding factions, but instead promoted a renewed Irish Republican organization in America to be named the Clan na Gael. According to John Devoy, in 1924, Jerome J. Collins founded what was then called the Napper Tandy Club in New York on the 20th of June, 1867, Wolf Tone's birthday. This club expanded into others and at one point, at a picnic in 1870, was named the Clan na Gael by Sam Kavanagh. Jerome Collins, who died in 1882, on the disastrous Janet expedition to the North Pole, was a science editor for the New York Herald, who had left England in 1866 when a plot he was involved in to free the Fenian prisoners at Pentonville Prison was uncovered by the police. Collins believed at the time of the founding in 1867 that the two feuding Fenian branches should patch things up. The USS Jeannette was a naval exploration vessel which, commanded by George W. DeLong, undertook the Jeannette expedition of 1879 to 1881 to the Arctic. After being trapped in the ice and drifting for almost two years, the ship and her crew of 33 men were released from the ice, but then trapped again, crushed and sunk some 300 nautical miles north of the Siberian coast. 
The entire crew survived the sinking, but eight died while sailing towards land in a small cutter. The others reached Siberia, but twelve more subsequently perished in the Lena Delta River in Russia, including Collins and DeLong. A rescue party discovered the dead bodies of Collins and his comrades on Bolonai Island in the Lena Delta on the 7th of April 1882. Collins' body was eventually interred in March 1884 at Kurakipan Cemetery, just outside Cork City, Ireland. The Canadian raids were carried out by the Fenian Brotherhood, the Irish Republican organisation based in the United States. On British Army forts, customs posts and other targets in Canada in 1866 and again from 1870 to 1871. The raids by the Fenian Brotherhood into Canada were undertaken to bring pressure on Great Britain to withdraw from Ireland although none of those raids achieved their aims. In Canada, the events divided its Catholic Irish-Canadian population, many of whom were torn between loyalty to their new home and sympathy to the aims of the Fenians. The Protestant Irish were generally loyal to the British and supported the pro-Union Orange Order against the Fenians, while authorities in the United States arrested the men and confiscated the arms of the Fenian Brotherhood, there was speculation that some in the United States government had ignored the preparations undertaken by the Fenians because of anger over actions that could have been construed as British assistance to the Confederate States of America during the Civil War. The Deedham, Massachusetts chapter of the Fenian Brotherhood hosted a meeting at which a raid into Canada was organised. John R. Ballard, a Harvard Law School graduate, was elected moderator of the meeting, and having been swept up in his own sudden importance and fever of the meeting, ended his animated speech by asking, who would be the first man to come forward and pledge himself to go to Canada to help free Ireland? The first of about 12 men to sign the enlistment papers were Patrick O'Donoghue and Thomas Golden. Thomas Brennan said he could not participate, but donated $50 to the cause. The meeting ended with the group singing The Wearing of the Green. The raid was a failure. Some of the men got as far as St. Albans, Vermont, but none made it to Canada. A few were arrested, and some had to send home for money. Led by John O'Mahony, another Fenian raid occurred in April 1866 at Campo Bello Island, New Brunswick. A Fenian Brotherhood war party of over 700 members arrived at the main shore opposite the island intending to seize Campo Bello from the British. British commander Charles Hastings Doyle, stationed at Halifax, Nova Scotia, responded decisively. On the 17th of April 1866, he left Halifax with Royal Navy warships carrying over 700 British regulars and proceeded to Passamaquoddy Bay, where the Fenian force were concentrated. This show of might by the British discouraged the Fenians, and they dispersed. 
This invasion reinforced the idea of protection for New Brunswick by joining with the British non-American colonies of Nova Scotia and the United Province of Canada, formerly Upper Canada, now Ontario, and Lower Canada, Quebec, and they formed the Dominion of Canada. After the Campobello raid, the presidential faction, led by Fenian founders James Stevens and John O'Mahony, focused more on the fundraising for rebels in Ireland. The more militant Senate faction, led by William R. Roberts, believed that even a marginally successful invasion of the province of Canada or other parts of British North America would provide them with leverage in their efforts. After the failure of the April 1866 attempt to raid New Brunswick, which had been led by O'Mahony, the Senate faction of the Fenians implemented their own plan for invading Canada. Drafted by their Secretary of War, General T.W. Sweeney, a distinguished former Union Army officer, the plan called for multiple invasions at points in Canada West and Canada East, intended to cut Canada West off from Canada East and possible British forces from there. Key to the plan was a diversionary attack at Fort Erie, from Buffalo, New York, meant to draw troops away from Toronto in a feigned strike at the nearby Welland Canal system. This would be the only Finian attack, other than the Quebec raid several days later, that would be launched in June 1866. About 1,200 Finians crossed the Niagara River in the first 14 hours of June the 1st under Colonel John O'Neill, sabotaged by Finians in its crew, the U.S. Navy's sidewheel gunboat USS Michigan did not begin intercepting Fenian reinforcements until 2.15 p.m. after Own Star's advance party had crossed the river ahead of O'Neill's main force. Once the USS Michigan was deployed, O'Neill's force in the Niagara region was cut off from further supplies and reinforcements. After assembling with other units from Canada and travelling all night, Canadian troops advanced into a well-laid ambush by approximately 700 Fenians the next morning, north of Ridgeway, a small hamlet west of Fort Erie. The Fenian strength at Ridgeway had been reduced by some desertions and other deployments of Fenians to locations in the area overnight. The Canadian militia at the Battle of Ridgeway consisted of inexperienced volunteers with no more than basic drill training, but armed with Enfield rifle muskets equal to the armaments of the Fenians. A single company of the Queen's Own Rifles of Toronto had been armed the day before on their ferry crossing from Toronto with state-of-the-art seven-shot Spencer repeating rifles, but had no opportunity to practice with them and were issued with only 28 rounds per man. The Fenians were mostly battle-hardened American Civil War veterans armed with weapons procured from leftover war supplies, either Enfield rifled muskets or the comparable Springfield. Members of the Canadian militia were ambushed by the Fenians at the Battle of Ridgeway in June 1866. The opposing forces exchanged shots for about two hours before a series of command errors threw the Canadians into confusion. 
The Fenians took advantage of it by launching a bayonet charge that broke the inexperienced Canadian ranks. Seven Canadians were killed on the battlefield. Two died shortly afterwards from wounds, and four would later die of their wounds or disease while on service. Ninety-four more were wounded or disabled, and ten Fenians were killed and sixteen wounded. After the battle, the Canadians retreated to Port Colburn at the Lake Erie end of the Welland Canal. The Fenians rested briefly at Ridgeway before returning to Fort Erie. Another encounter, the Battle of Fort Erie, followed that saw several Canadians severely wounded and the surrender of a large group of local Canadian militia who had moved into the Fenian rear. After considering the inability of reinforcements to cross the river and the approach of large numbers of both militia and British regulars, the remaining Fenians released the Canadian prisoners and returned to Buffalo early in the morning of the 3rd of June 1866. They were intercepted by the gunboat Michigan and surrendered to the American Navy. The Fenian commander and planner was Brigadier General Thomas William Sweeney, who was arrested by the United States government for violating American neutrality. Nevertheless, he was soon released and served in the American regular army until he retired in 1870. After the invasion of Canada West failed, the Fenians decided to concentrate their efforts on Canada East. However, the US government had begun to impede Fenian activities and arrested many of their leaders. The Fenians soon saw their plans begin to fade. General Samuel Speer of the Fenians managed to escape arrest and on June the 7th, 1866, Speer and his 1,000 men marched into Canada territory, achieving occupancy of Pigeon Hill, Freelixburg, St. Armand and Stanbridge. At this point, the Canadian government had done little to defend the border, but on June the 8th, Canadian forces arrived at Pigeon Hill and the Fenians, who were low on arms, ammunition and supplies, promptly surrendered, ending the raid on Canada East. From 1870 to 1871, the Fenian Brotherhood organised several raids into the Canadian provinces of Quebec and Manitoba. In addition to organised raids against those provinces, the Fenian Brotherhood also organised openly in the northwestern United States in the 1870s, threatening the security of the colony of British Columbia. Although the Fenians never launched a raid against British Columbia, tensions were high and the Royal Navy sent several large warships to the new railhead at Vancouver, British Columbia, during celebrations for the completion of the Canadian Pacific Railway in 1886. Another raid by the Fenians occurred on the 25th of May 1870. The Canadians, acting on information supplied by Thomas Miller Beach, were able to wait for and turn back the attack at Eagles Hill. The Battle of Trout River was a military conflict that occurred on the 27th of May 1870. It was part of the Fenian raids. This battle occurred outside of Huntington, Quebec, near the international border, about 20 kilometres north of Malone, New York. John O'Neill, after the failed 1870 invasion of Canada, had resigned the Senate wing and then joined the Savage Wing of the Fenians. In return, he was given a seat on the Savage Wing Governing Council. In 1871, O'Neill and W. B. O'Donoghue 
asked the Savage Wing Council to undertake another invasion of Canada across the Dakota Territory border. The Council, weary of Canadian adventures, and O'Neill in particular, would have none of it. O'Neill's idea was turned down, but the Council promised to loan him arms and agreed they would not publicly denounce him and his raid. O'Neill resigned from the Fenians to lead the invasion, which was planned in St. Paul, Minnesota, to invade Manitoba near Winnipeg. About 35 men, led by John O'Neill, William B. O'Donoghue, and John J. Donnelly, hoped to join forces with Louis Riel's French Indian Métis. On the 5th of October, 1871, O'Neill's force managed to capture a Hudson Bay Company post and a Canadian customs house, which they believed to be just north of the international border. A U.S. survey team had determined the border was two miles further north, placing the Hudson Bay Post and the Customs House both inside U.S. territory. O'Neill, J.J. Donnelly and ten others were taken prisoner near Pembina, Dakota, by U.S. soldiers led by Captain Lloyd Wheaton. The farcical raid was doomed from the very start. It actually took place inside the United States, and the Métis under Riel had signed a pact with the British just as the invasion began. Riel and his Métis captured O'Donoghue and gave him to U.S. authorities. In a somewhat muddled feather response, O'Neill was arrested twice, once in Dakota and once in Minnesota, but was released and never charged for invading U.S. territory. The men captured with him were released by the court as simply dupes of O'Neill and Donnelly. William B. O'Donoghue, 1843-1878, was an Irish-American notice as having been the treasurer in the provisional government established by Louis Riel at the Red River Colony during the rebellion of 1869-1870. to However, after fleeing to the United States with Riel on the 24th of August 1870, he subsequently broke with him following a meeting on the 17th of September, where O'Donoghue unsuccessfully argued that the American government should be asked to intercede on behalf of the Métis people. O'Donoghue had, by 1871, formed an association with the Fenian Brotherhood, and on the 5th of October of that year led a force of 35 men on a cross-border raid into Manitoba. The raid failed to attract the support of the Métis, and in fact O'Donoghue was arrested by them and released to American authorities. Following the failed Fenian invasion of Manitoba, O'Donoghue was employed as a schoolteacher. He died of tuberculosis in St. Paul, Minnesota, on the 16th of March, 1878. Support for the Fenian Brotherhood's invasion of Canada quickly disappeared, and there was no real threat after the 1890s. Nevertheless, the raids had an important effect on all Canadians. Ironically, though, they did nothing to advance the cause of Irish independence. The 1866 Fenian raids and the inept efforts of the Canadian militia to repulse them helped to galvanise support for the Confederation of Canada in 1867. The Fenian raids caused an increased anti-American feeling in Canada and the Maritimes because the US government's perceived tolerance of the Fenians when they were meeting openly and preparing for the raids. Oh Paddy dear in 
did you hear the news that's going round? The shamrock is forbid by law to grow on Irish ground. No more St. Patrick's Day will keep his colours can't be seen. For there's a cruel law against the wearing of the green. I met with Napper Tandy and he took me by the hand. He said, how is poor old Ireland? How does she stand? She's the most distressful country that ever yet was seen. For they're hanging men and women for the wearing of the green. For the wearing of the green, for the wearing of the green. They're hanging men and women for the wearing of the green. And if the colour we must wear is England's cruel red, let it remind us of the blood that Ireland has shed. Pull the shamrock from your head and throw it on the sod. And never fear it will take root, though underfoot is trod. And when the law can't stop the blade of grass from growing, and when the leaves in summertime the colour dare not show, Change the color too I wear in my cabin. But till that day, please God, I'll stick to the wearing of the green. To the wearing of the green, wearing of the green. But till that day, please God, I'll stick to the wearing of the green.